Newcastle and the Hutter Valleys. 2 in your RFM 103.7. Time for Pet Chat. Let's catch up and find out what's going on with your pet. Now, do you have any problems with your pet? Maybe we can offer some solutions. All you need to do is give us a call on 49216216. The lines are open right now. You can be one of the first to get through and talk to us. And we have Kimberly Earl, our vet, with us back for 2014. Good afternoon. Hi, Dave. How are you doing? Very good. Nice to have you back. And do you have a topic for us today you'd like to talk about? Yeah, I thought we'd talk about ear problems in dogs. Cats get them too, but we can talk about both of them, um, but it's important in the hot, humid weather we're having. Of course. And joining us from Barker's Imbalance, hello, Julie Tolliday. Hi, Dave. Always good to have you with us for another year. Thank, Thank you. you. We hope you had a, a bit of a busy time. It's been Very good Very busy, you. but good. Yeah. Now, what would you like to talk about today too, I'm going to talk about food and dogs. Okay, that's an important one. So that's our topics. Plus, we need you. If you'd like to give us a call, that number again, 49216216 for Pet Chat. Give us a call here at 2NURFM. Now, with Pet Chat, of course, we have a brand new segment too, which we'll be finding out about in around about half an hour. Sarah Farley-Adams will join us. And today it's uh, Sarah's Pet of the Week, and it happens to be a cat called Jules the Cat. So we'll find out all about that in around half an hour. Now, with our vet, uh, Kimberly, uh, can you tell us a little bit about your topic, which is ears and concerns and problems with ears on dogs and cats? Yeah, sure. So um, we get lots of animals, particularly dogs, and and often dogs that have sort of floppy ears, so Labrador Retrievers and uh, Cocker Spaniels, things like that, poodles, um, that get ear problems. And so ear problems in your pet might manifest as scratching at the ears or shaking the head. Um, Sometimes just if you're giving your dog a bit of an ear rub and he really turns his head in and starts to groan and it feels really good, but maybe he's a little bit, you know, sore and ouchy there. A bad smelly ear um, can also indicate that there's a problem. Or just if you look in, open the, um, sort of hold back the flap and have a look in and you might see a bit of brown discharge. And in dogs, the most common thing we see is actually yeast infections down in the ear. It's a yeast called malice. Um, and can cause a really smelly, painful sort of ear. Um, but we do sometimes see bacterial infections in there. Uh, the important thing is to try to identify them early and get into your local vet to have them checked out because they can get um, quite bad, sometimes to the point where um, the eardrum might rupture, which can affect their hearing down the track um, in, in really terrible, you know, worst case scenarios, they can get into infections into the inner ear and can cause um, neurological signs and and brain disease sometimes. Um, But your vet can make a really good, um, easy diagnosis of that. They often will take a swab and have a look under the microscope to see what kind of organism it is that we're dealing with. And they can make your dog feel a lot better very early on because the medicated drops that we often give you will often have an anti-inflammatory in them. So even if the infection takes longer, the anti-inflammatory will help make the dog feel better in a very short period of time. So certainly don't wait if you think your dog has any problems um, with their ear because we don't want them to get too severe. What about our cats and their ears? Cats could get ear infections too. Um, Most often they tend to get infections with parasites. So um, ear mites is a a bug called Otodectes cynotis or ear mites is the common term Um, and that's quite common particularly particularly in cats that um, are in multi-cat households, kittens, kittens coming from pet shops or... um um, you know, pounds, things like that. Uh, they can show similar signs, dark discharge in the ears, scratching incessantly at the ears. Sometimes the kittens can't reach to the ear, and so they'll scratch at the back of the neck, and you might see actual um, scratches or scabs on the back of the neck from where they've been scratching. And that treatment requires something a little bit different. Um, often we will use some drops in them to sort of help with the inflammation, and it can help kill them. But we often give them, um, you know, sort of some top spot products, things like that, that will actually help kill off the mites. Um, they can get ear infections and dogs can get um, can get mite infestations as well uh, but it's not as common 
Okay, so there's some issues there. We'll talk a little mm-hmm. bit more about that later. Sure. We're going to take a short break. We'll continue. We'd like your calls. Our number is 49216216. If you'd like to get through and talk to our vet, Kimberly, she'd love to hear from you. And also we've got Julie Tolliday here from Barker's Imbalance taking your calls for Pet Chat on 2NURFM. Our vet, Kimberly Earl, is here taking your calls on 49216216. Joining us now is Kylie from Cooks Hill. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm good, Kylie. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. I've got a bit of an embarrassing question for you. Okay. Um, I own two English Staffordshire Terriers. Yes. And they have a very bad flatulence problem. Oh, dear. <laughs> and I've tried changing their food and they still have a very bad flatulence problem. Right, okay. Um, and so what is what is their diet mostly comprised of? Is it is it a good sort of quality processed dog food or...? Um, they have kibble for their breakfast mm-hmm. and then they have homemade food of an evening, which is normally brown rice mints um, and leftover vegetables. Okay, all right. So a couple of different things you can try, and it, it sort of can be diet dependent, can be individual dog dependent. Um, so certainly sometimes the, the brown rice and the vegetables can cause a little bit of um, flatulence. I mean, flatulence usually is related to the gut bacteria, so what the species of bacteria we have in the gut. And so what we'd be looking to do would be to try to get a bit of a shift there. So you could try um, changing the proportions of, um, of things in the food in the fresh meals that you're cooking. Um, often adding a probiotic powder to the diet helps. So there's lots of veterinary probiotic powders available. Um, Protexin or probiotic, things like that. Usually you can pick them up from, um, certainly from your veterinarian and potentially from some good quality pet shops as well. And that might actually help to just um, rebalance the gut bacteria so that we have sort of different species in there and that might create a little bit less gas, a little bit less wind. Um, yeah. You can, in in bad cases, um, there's sort of charcoal tabs. Like mm, I tried them. I never recommend them to anybody. No? Okay, it didn't work the, for them. I had both dogs at the vet within probably three days of them oh, having really? one charcoal bone okay yeah so that hasn't worked for you either um i have seen that used and it can be used successfully but again it's going to depend on the individual um you know individual animals um so maybe the probiotic is is the way to go to try a bit of probiotic powder i think you can get some that are water soluble you can put them in the liquid and that might help okay hopefully that helps you out thank you for the call we continue with calls right now and karen joins us from belmont hi karen hello hello how can we help you today Sorry, um, I've got a little blue staffy. Uh, she's six months old. Oh, I actually purchased her from a private seller. She was about two months when I picked her up. But she's having really bad, I think it's like um, OCD, tail chasing compulsively. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't do anything to stop her. Um, and she has a lot of other little traits too. And I'm just wondering what's, what's the best way that you would suggest, because I'm... You know, I'm trying to help her, I suppose, the natural as much as I can to try and calm her down. Yep. She gets, she gets to that point and she can't come back down again. Okay. Is it just chail, uh, chail, excuse me, tail chasing that she's doing? Um, that's one, that's the major thing. It, that can go on for about an hour or so. Mm-hmm. Um, she does, she likes to chew rocks, which that's very bad. Um, yep. She licking, compulsive licking, licking, lick, licking, wherever. Yep. And I know that could be a puppy thing too. Um, it's more the, the tail chasing, um, trying to get her to stop. All I can, right. at the moment, I've tried everything and all I can do is I try, I pick her up and I put her into the, like a neck, the laundry. Yeah. Pull the sliding door closed. She can still hear me, 
but then it sort of brings her back down again. Okay, yeah. You know, it, it sounds like she needs to be checked out by a veterinarian, I'd say. Um, yep. She's quite young for those sorts of um, sort of obsessive yeah. compulsive and anxiety related d- disorders to, to be showing up. Um, sometimes tail chasing can, they, there can be congenital defects where they might have, um, you know, problems with the nervous supply down the tail or to the back end, things like that. And so it's probably yep. worthwhile having her looked at and maybe even some x-rays to see what's happening down there. Um, okay. She's quite quite young and and I guess you sort of think that those sorts of behaviors can be impeding her um, you know the rest of her development and her learning in terms of training and things and so she might actually you know be a candidate for some pharmacological help as well there are um, anti-anxiety and and those similar sorts of medications that can help bring that level down so they don't have that level of stimulation and and, um, yeah you know to try to try to help retrain the behaviors as well as much as possible but it it sounds quite complex and i think um yeah. get get ready for this to take a while to resolve and and get some yeah. help professional help with it okay okay no thanks all right thank you if you'd like to give us a call, it's 49216216. That's the phone number you'll get through, and we're here right through until 1 o'clock today. Now, Julie, what would you like to chat about today? Well, I would like to talk a little bit about food uh, and around dogs and their lives. And I just wanted to share with you in the work that I do, sometimes I, when I work with people with a full profile of how we can manage a dog's behaviour, we look at, like, what they're feeding and how they're feeding the dogs and for years I've struggled with and decided that there is no universal rule on what to feed nobody wrote a bible I can't find anything that says this is the actual rules so what I thought I'd sort of offer to people today is uh, some common threads that I found are pretty uniform which is things like um, that you need to feed a good quality dog food uh, that that dog food um, needs it needs to be premium and whether it's dry or wet um, the higher the the value of the food the higher the the premium of the food the better you're going to do with your dog and your dog's behavior most the common thread that I found also is that dogs don't need any more than about 25% protein in their daily diet. Um, it's sort of like giving them too much fuel, um, and to not leave the dog food lying around for dogs that they're not meant to be grazing. A lot of people think that oh maybe a little dog you know it's going to get a little bit hungry needs to have a little nibble, but then you've got no management skills to show your dog, and then the, if the dog feels there's no manager there no leader, if you want to call yourself a leader, then they're going to they're going to be harder to manage and they are likely to feel less stable in their home. So people say, well, wet or dry food. Well, I'll give you a couple of facts about each of them. So a premium dry food would be the one that we would say. Um, they... But it's very processed. What's it, you know, it'll have everything the dog needs in it, but it is very, very processed. One of the vets I work with says, look, if the dog's getting 70% of a high-quality dry food diet daily, then they're getting the nutrients that they need. Uh, the, the downside of, of, of feeding a whole dry food diet is that they don't get any moisture except out of their bowl of water. And one vet sort of alerted me to that. No, it's not a bad thing. It's not going to do them harm, but... If you're looking for what's going to be the perfect balance, then maybe you look further. Wet food, well, wet food can come from anything from, you know, a very cheap can of dog food up to a raw food diet. Uh, You need to read the label on canned food. Uh, Very interestingly, you can pick up a can of something that says chicken and rice, and when you read the ingredients on the back, it says it will contain beef, chicken, lamb, and you go, how can this be 
chicken and rice, but they cover themselves by saying, oh, basically they're telling you that if something's cheaper on the market when they do the next batch, they're going to throw some of that in too. So read the label. There is a brand in the supermarket. When you read the label, it's just got about six ingredients on it. It just says ingredients, chicken, rice, carrots. You can pronounce all the names. And they're all real things. So it's worth reading that label. And then or you can go to a raw food diet. And a raw food diet is one where they, it will have in it ingredients that a dog in a natural environment would be getting. So yes, there'll be, there'll be meat in it, but there'll be ground up bones. There'll be bits of fruit and vegetables because dog, dogs are omnivores. They're not carnivores. So if you manage your food, then your leadership can be reinforced through that. If the dog's only going to see the food once or twice a day, then you can make them earn it. They get them to wait for their food. Get them to sit before you give it to them. Get them to wait again before they're allowed to go to the bowl and give them, as I said, limited access. Uh, I've started using food a lot for control of my own dogs and in the work that I do with other people. Because food is such a wonderful tool, so my dogs will get a frozen Kong in the mornings and that keeps them very busy and very quiet for at least half an hour. I use very clever toys that they have to work hard at to get dry food out of and that also, it's not just to keep them busy, it's to manage them maybe when you're not at home, it's to stimulate their brains. You know, they're intelligent animals, they need mm -hmm. to actually turn their brains on, don't expect them to just lie around in the sun in the backyard. Um, I use it for restless times at home when I know that my 12-month-old Groodle is going a bit stir-crazy and I'll call him down and I'll make him do a few sits and drops and then he'll get a toy or a frozen Kong. Uh, it gives them a job to do and dogs like to work for what they get. Okay, we'll talk a bit more about diet too soon. We're going to take a short break. It is Pet Chat at 2 in your RFM 103.7. On air, online, and on your smartphone. It's easy listening to and you are FM 103.7. Pet Chat, 49216216 if you'd like to be part of the program. We've got our vet, Dr. Kimberly Earle here, and also Julie Tolliday. And we wanted to have a talk now about households that have more than one dog in them, or more than one cat there, how the hierarchy has worked out between the pets and how we can find out or, or pick up some signals from the animals about uh, how that's happening and how that's working in the household. Mm -hmm. they're, not, um, they're not sort of cut and dry like we used to believe we used to think you know oh there's an alpha dog and everybody else is subordinate to that and and we don't sort of talk um, in those terms so much anymore because we know that in certain certain situations there's going to be dogs who feel more confident and who are sort of um, taking a role of a leadership role and in other situations it'll be the completely other other dog in the household um, so it can be a bit you know sort of challenging in, in some cases you'll find that there's one dog that's always you know sort of the more timid dog and the other dog does all the um, quote-unquote talking in the you know for the for the family um, it's really about watching you know sort of body language and things like that and and some of it has to do with um, you know how do the dogs interact with each other are they getting on is there um, is there competition and fighting um, you know, a lot of people, I, I see a lot of people in day-to-day -day life in, in, as a veterinarian who say, oh, well, they just play fight. Um, we need to be really careful about how we interpret play fighting. You know, dogs, dogs are dogs and, and fighting is fighting. And just because they're not damaging one another doesn't mean that they're playing necessarily. So we need to be a bit careful about that. Um, and, and also what they do in their quiet times, you know, when they're in the house interacting together in their quiet times, you know, is one dog... Um, always on the couch or is one dog always on the floor is um you know does 
do they share the same pillow or does one dog only ever get the pillow and the other dog never gets to have the pillow? Some of those things, if we're watching them, can give us a clue of what's sort of happening in the house. Um, I've, I've got a scenario to share with you. Some yep. friends I know have got uh, four dogs. Okay. Uh, one of the dogs, the female, she's allowed up on the lounge mm-hmm. to sit with the mother. She's allowed to sit there and the others aren't. Yes. What sort of message do you, do you think that sends out there? Yeah, I think that that often would give a um, potentially a sense of importance for you know for that dog who's up allowed up, up on the couch. Um, whether the other dogs have any problem with it is sort of hard to know. You know, the question is whether or not they're trying to get up there too, and they're constantly being reprimanded because they're trying. It may not be an issue. They might just be quite happy to be sitting on the floor. Um, and dogs are not like people where they don't tend to analyze things the same way, and there's not really a sense of oh, well, she's getting special treatment and we're all going to get bitter and someday we're going to revolt and turn on her. That doesn't really happen that way. They they don't quite think along the same lines that we do. Um, so, you know, I think if, if it's working in that household and that one dog who's up there is, is still maintaining good behavior up there because sometimes you get dogs that get special privileges in the house and, um, and they tend to not have very good manners even with the people in the house. They can sometimes be an issue that way. Um, so as long as it's working in that household... She growls at them when they come near the at house. At the other dog. If they ever come near or yeah. to the bottom, the, the near the feet section of the lounge, yeah. she'll, growl, she'll growl and, and she'll snap at them if they come close to even like uh, <laughs> standing on the uh, hind quarters there yeah. to get up there. So, so she's definitely probably feeling a sense of importance up there. Um, <laughs> Again, if it's not causing a major issue, then it might not be an issue. But if they're carrying that on into, you know, other areas of the house and, and making life um, challenging, and if she's becoming territorial about other things, then um, she might need some, some work. I tend, yeah. to, I tend to say to people, you know, just cover yourselves, take out your insurance policy and, and, and just make them all be at the same level. Or you can do nice exercises where they, you know, they're all on the ground. So you can't show favouritism, you shouldn't do that? Well, I think that you can actually do exercises to even it up even better. Invite one up, give them a cuddle, reward the other three for sitting quietly. Replace, you know, Mm. put the other dog back on on the ground, get another one up. You know, if you've got four dogs, they need to be managed and they need to be really... I, I, I say to people, just hedge your bets, just, just now, keep them all... Within the household, in. should they have their own bed in a different area or should you put them all together? What's oh, your thoughts on that? I, I don't think that there's any right, right or wrong way to do it. I think it really depends on the dynamic in the house and, you know, what, what works for the family. I think I, I see lots of dogs that, you know, they all sleep on one single bed and they all pile up together and they have no troubles. Um, I also see dogs where one dog wants to go off and lie in a corner in a special spot and the others want to lie, you know, in a different area. So I don't think there's any one right or wrong way to do that. It's just going to be what works, you know, for the animals in the house. We'll revisit this again soon. We've got a phone call now. I think Dave's with us from Osterley. Hello, Dave. Is that you, Dave? Must be Stephen. Hello, Stephen. It is Stephen. There you go. Now, I've got written down who it is, but uh, we didn't write down what phone line you're on, so I just took a guess there. So. Stephen's at Taralba. How are you today? I'm well, thank you. And yourself? Very good. We've got our vet, Kimberly here. What would you like to talk to her about? Listen, I'm under... Um, our, we've got a Cavalier King Charles. Yep. And... She's got a fixation on one of my feet. <laughs> okay, what kind of fixation? What's she doing? She's got to lick it all the time. Ah, oh, okay. Hearing about a lot of dogs. She loves you. Obsessive compulsive oh, type me, yeah. conditions. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I swap feet. I can I can try and trick her. Yeah. Doesn't work. It's just the one foot. It's the one foot. 
Have you got a smelly foot? No. <laughs> sorry. You can't say that. I know. I'm sorry. It, 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 sounds, it sounds a bit interesting. I mean, certainly there are lots of dogs who like to lick skin. Our skin is a bit salty and, um, and they like it. It seems funny that she's got a particular foot. Um, and I can't entirely understand, you know, why one foot would be better than the other foot. Um, I guess to a certain degree we might be seeing some, you know, sort of submissive or anxiety sort of related behavior. She's trying to appease you by constantly licking and, um, and trying to comfort herself by making sure that you're always there so she's licking. Um, but why the one foot? Yeah, I don't know. That's that's a hard thing to understand. Yeah, I'm now not they sure. Can, can they smell cancer and stuff? And oh, there certainly they are, can. I've heard this. Yeah, there certainly are reports of dogs that can smell things like that, but I wouldn't necessarily think that because she licks one foot that there's something that there's a problem in one mm. foot rather than the other. Um, you know, often they we certainly know that dogs can pick up um, things like seizures coming on, you know, electrical signals from the body, things like that, um, and that's certainly a possibility. Um, yeah, it, it can be a learned behavior. Maybe there's a particular spot that you, you know, a particular way that you sit when you're most relaxed and she feels relaxed when you're relaxed. And, and so she's picking up that, you know, when your foot is in that particular position, maybe that's the foot that's up on top if your ankles are crossed. And, and maybe that's how she's um, perceiving her world is is in you know in the best state when you're relaxed and she gets to lick that foot it's a bit of an interesting one um she's on the same angle if she's on the same angle it's comfortable for her Mm. maybe to lick you know maybe the other way it's a bit of more of a stretch and it's uncomfortable for her neck or something along those lines so yeah it's it's an interesting one though for sure that's interesting about what you said earlier because I've heard that, that mm. a dog can be licking you on the thigh or something and it knows that they have a sensing that you may have a cancer or some kind of issue in there that's not good. Yeah, that's they, their way of showing they that certainly, they're There certainly are dogs who are being trained for um, for those sorts of things, medical medical yeah. condition detection and things like that. Yeah. And um, and obviously we, we don't know the full extent of what dogs and, and their um, sense of smell, their olfactory system is capable of, but um, they can do some pretty amazing things. It's like the security one. When I go through the airport and they come up <laughs> sniffing around me, I go, Lo- dogs love me. He just loves me. Look at me. Hello. That's all it is. Nothing else. Please, dog. That's too much favouritism there. We've got Dave with us now from Austerley. Hello, Dave. G'day, mate. How are you going all right? Very good. What would you like to say to Kimberly? Um, I've got a couple of dogs. just wanting to know, are raw eggs um, okay to give them to eat? If I crack a raw egg into their food of a night? Yeah, I think uh, as long as they're stored in the same way you would um, for human consumption, there is the potential um, for some salmonella to be on the outside of eggshells. And if your dog has a particularly sensitive stomach, um, you know, you'd probably want to be a bit careful about it. Um, People have been giving raw eggs. Egg is a really good source of protein, although the protein becomes more bioavailable once it's cooked. Um, but still, it's a fairly good source of protein, and so that's you know not not too big a deal. If your dogs are overweight, though, the egg yolk has quite a lot of calories and cholesterol in it, and so if you've got dogs that are overweight, um, you know then it's maybe something we need to think about. It's just just a bit like humans as well that there's some some issues with eggs and eating too many eggs. Um, people have been doing it for years, and on the odd occasion, I've done it with my dog from time to time. So I don't think there's a major problem with it. Just make sure that your eggs are being stored appropriately, um, ideally refrigerated, things like that. Yeah, just we're on a bit of a farm, so they're pretty active and they're pretty healthy, yeah. so they're not overweight. So, yeah. so I was just sort of give them a, an egg a couple of times a week, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that there's an issue with that, provided they're also getting a good, um, you know, sort of well-balanced diet um, with some some good quality dog food in it as well.
And that's Dave joining us this afternoon on 49216216. Coming up in a moment, we are going to be introduced to the pet of the week from Sarah Farley Adams here at 2NURFM. The pet of the week's name is Jules, and Jules is a cat, and we'll find out about her next. It's Pet Chat this afternoon, now 14 to 1. As we continue, we've got our vet, Dr. Kimberly Earle here. Also, Julie Tolliday from Barker's Imbalance, and 2NURFM, Sarah Farley Adams with Pet of the Week. Hello, Sarah. Good afternoon. Yes, it is time for another 2NURFM's Pet Rescue, and we do have a gorgeous Pet of the Week. Now, this is all in relation to Dog Rescue Newcastle and trying to get these pets adopted out into loving homes. And I think you'd have to agree, ladies, we've got a gorgeous pet this week. It's a cat. And her name is Jules. Now, we've got some amazing pictures up on 2NURFM.com if you click on Pet Chat. But aren't these photos just adorable? <laughs> Very beautiful, particularly the tiara. <laughs> and the jewellery. I like the little necklace. She really is a princess, yes. uh, this cat. And she's been described as the gorgeous Jules. She's a petite one-year-old and she has the sweetest nature. Now, I think you'd have to to dress a cat up with a necklace and a tiara and uh, fairy wings and have her sit there <laughs> the way she did. But look, uh, she's very low maintenance. While she's off sleeping, you wouldn't even know she's there. She's great with kids and she is currently staying with another cat, so she's fine with other cats as well. Um, she is okay to sleep the day away if you are out at work, but she is young enough and playful enough to want cuddles and pats as well. Uh, she will definitely win your heart. She loves affection, so she'll be happy to curl up on your lap. She's got the gentlest of pearl, uh, purrs. Pearls. Well, she probably would have pearls in her collection. <laughs> she's a princess. She is a princess. And, um, yeah, you know, she's just gorgeous. Very warm. She's got a very cute meow, apparently. And if you would like to take a look at Jules and potentially, um, you know, give her a great home if you're in the situation, then please go to 2NURFM.com. Click on Pet Chat and we've got all the details there. But, ladies, have you got any advice for anyone that is interested in cats? Like, they are quite low maintenance, aren't they? They can be a good alternative. They can be really, really good. And cats um, cats can be really good for, for people who do um, have working lives because they actually can cope really well, um, you know, as an only pet um, in a household where people are gone during the day. As long as they're getting enough attention in the morning and, and in the evening, um, cats can actually cope really, really well. And particularly if you set up the house, um, you know, give them places that they can perch. Cats live in a really three-dimensional world so don't expect that cats are like dogs where we're just going to keep them walking around the floor or maybe on the lounge or the back of the lounge it's really helpful to give them places um, that they can be up a little bit higher so the top of the fridge is often really good um, a bed up on a bookshelf that sort of thing cats really right. really will thrive in that sort of an environment um, and making sure that they're getting lots of cuddle times when you're home uh, but quite often you'll find that they do really well I mean it's normal cat nature in a lot of cases for them to spend a significant portion of the time sleeping and so, um, you know, they'll often, you know, have a bit of, of conversation with you in the morning and then you head off to work and they'll do their little rounds through their house, have a sleep through the afternoon and they'll be ready to, to interact again when you come home at the end of the day. So That's they're great. really good. So great for the working person. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, the one thing that put I thought was putting me off was the smell of the kitty litter. But I've met some very clever people lately. Somebody bought, built a new house and they actually made a little door into their laundry cupboard 
and to put the kitty litter in there so the dog went in, the cat, see I talk about dogs, <laughs> the cat would go into the, its own little entrance but be inside a more enclosed oh, space. Oh, isn't that great? Yeah. Use yeah. the toilet. Yeah. Be a bit careful because some cats don't like to be um, covered over when, oh, they, okay. when they go to the mm. toilet. Um, I guess the thing that we would always say is that kitty litter really, you want to be, you know, sort of changing it out daily. Cats don't need to have a super, super deep litter box. A little bit of litter in there, change it out daily, then you'll get rid of that smell. Um, you know, it can be really easy. There's lots of flushable litter types as well or recyclable newspapers that can go out in a compost and things like that too. So oh, that sounds better. That's How great. can we find out more details about Jules the Cat? If you want more details, head to 2NURFM.com and click on Pet Chat and I can't wait to hear about Jules finding a loving family. So that's the Pet of the Week. I will be joining you all again next week for a new pet and we'll feature a dog. Now, what about cats and outdoors? If you've yep. got a cat, what's the movement there? Yeah, so so I guess from my standpoint, I would always say, and most veterinarians would always say that um, cats that are indoor-only cats live longer, healthier lives. It's definitely true. I grew up um, in rural Canada, and we had a cat, and it was always an indoor-outdoor cat, um, and they like it. I, I certainly don't, um, you know, cats like to be outside. They like to be able to go and hide under bushes and hunt and do all those sorts of things, but there's a lot more risk to them outside. So things like um, being attacked by dogs, being hit by cars, being attacked by other cats, and even if other cat attacks aren't serious, um, bites from other cats can lead to abscesses, infections that require trips into the vet and sometimes surgery, can transmit diseases like um, feline AIDS or F feline immunodeficiency virus, FIV. Um, so the cats that are indoor-outdoor cats or strictly outdoor cats have a much shorter lifespan and are much more risk of different things. Mm. And people say, oh, well, I couldn't possibly keep the cat inside. Um, it really is, you know, a little bit of... Um, they get used to it. If they've been outside, you certainly can teach a cat to become inside. Again, it becomes about setting up your environment appropriately so that they have enough stimulation inside, and that doesn't take too much effort. If you've got a kitten, just never letting them outside. Giving them, They'll enjoy looking out the windows still if you give them a nice perch in the windows. And they like laying out in the sun too. I tell you, they enjoy that. They do, but you know that comes from, with some of its own issues. A lot of cats have pink noses, and we see a lot of squamous cell carcinoma cancers on the tips of pink noses in cats as well. Um, and They'll be every bit as comfortable lying, you know, in a sunbeam on the inside. You know, mm. if you get a window with a with an open sunbeam, um, that way they'll they'll be every bit as comfortable doing that as well. So, and there's also the wildlife outside to think about because we know that cats can be really super destructive, um, and they're not very selective. You know, they're not necessarily mm. just picking the feral species of you know, birds and things. They they pick all the natives as well. We've got a call for you. Sylvia joins us now from Bonnells Bay. Hi, Sylvia. How can we help? Good morning. How are you? I'm good, thanks. I have a. a Burmese, who's approximately 10 years old. Mm-hmm. I got her about three and a half years from a friend who died. Okay. Um, when I first got her, her daughter told me that she'd had a uh, hernia operation. Yes. But apparently needed another one. Okay. Which I did. Right. And since I've had her, um, on and off, she screams when she has a bowel movement. Oh, okay, yeah. She really screams. Um, I've had her on Catlax once a week, and when she's like that, I've, I increase it like once every three days, and as would necessary, but it's never gone away. I've okay. wanted to have her x-rayed, and two vets have told me, no, they can't. It's no point. They won't see anything. Okay. Um, I'm at my wit's end. <laughs> Sounds, sounds pretty bad, actually. Um, listen, I guess the thing is, is certainly 
um, helping her through by making sure that the stools, that the motions are um, passed relatively easy. So cat lax is okay. Um, you can do things like um, pumpkin, put sort of mushed up pumpkin a little bit in the food to increase the fiber, and that will help make the stools a little bit softer for her as well. Yeah. Or um, a very, very small little sprinkling of, you know, just a bit of Metamucil powder sometimes on the food will help with that as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I think... X-rays can tell us a lot, and certainly as she gets older, sometimes the pain is not necessarily related to a previous condition. It could be, but it could be that there's some arthritis there and she's struggling either to posture to, to do the stool um, or you know, the actual act of putting it out might be causing some back pain and things as well. Um, and so I wouldn't, from a veterinarian standpoint, I generally wouldn't say, oh, no, there's nothing there. You know, if somebody yeah. came to me... Well, it's been going on since I've had her. Since you've had her? Oh, no, no, if it's not... Continuous. It yeah. can be a few yeah. days. It can be more than a week. Okay. It's your yeah. scream. Yeah. And it goes right through you. Okay, yeah. I mean, I think if it's causing you distress and you think it's causing her some distress, then it probably is worthwhile following up. So go back and have a chat with your vet or uh, your vet again um, or, you know, somebody else who, um, you know, maybe try a different vet and see if, if you can, you know, because it's obviously causing you some concern. Um, in the meantime, like I said, you could try adding a bit of pumpkin in and, and see, but you, I'd maybe just try to get across to them that it, it's really something that's distressing you. And if there's something there, she's an older cat, it might be that there's something else we can help her with just in in terms of arthritis treatment or something like that as, as well. It's Pet Chat on 2NURFM. And a quick question for Julie. You're talking a little early about diet and what we feed them. What about veggies and our dogs and that? Do they like veggies? Should they get a, a bit of veggies? Yeah, well, the raw diet that I spoke about um, that you can buy commercially, it has um, fruits and vegetables prepared, in it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the, the can in the supermarket that has the, the plain ingredients in it it's got some um some vegetables in it as well uh sometimes people like to cook up their own there's a couple of vegetables that you don't mushrooms um onions probably any of those root vegetables is it all root vegetables Kim? uh it's mostly things that are in the in the sort of onion family so garlic right. onion um Mushrooms, I'm not sure that there's too big Beet an issue. Oh, okay. if, it's, if it's safe for human consumption, some dogs won't eat mushrooms. My dog oh, won't really? touch them. Oh. Um, but definitely onion and garlic, um, those sorts of things in that sort of families you want to yes. try to avoid. So leak, you know, in larger quantities, you would be, be need to be careful about it. Okay, mm. yeah. But yes, a vegetable eaters, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. My dog loves raw carrot. I use it as a, um, as a treat for yes, her. Yes, too. Just chop up a mm. bit of raw carrot and she thinks that that's every bit as good as a bone or a chicken wing mm. um, yeah so definitely they we want people to not think of dogs as carnivorous I see a lot of dogs still that are getting just straight meat diets and that's really not healthy for them that's not what they would eat in the wild and it's not what they should be eating in captivity as well okay we're almost out of time thank you so much always good to have you back from thanks. Barker's Imbalance Julie Tolliday thanks Dave and we're going to see a bit more of you you're filling in a, a fair bit this year too aren't yeah, you Kimberly I'm doing some extra in the next sort of couple fortnights I'll be here a few more times look yeah. forward to it our vet Kimberly Earl joining us. That's our pet chat today. Thank you. We'll catch up in the next couple of weeks. Coming up soon, the latest from the Hunter Newsroom with our one o'clock bulletin. And Colin Parnell has easy listening favourites at 2NURFM 103.7.